Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, a senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Great to have you in church, everybody, and uh, great to uh, be home because I've just been with uh, Jordan and Nathan, their first time uh, in Global Heart Church in Germany, and uh, we've just been there with our church up there, and what fantastic things are happening up in Germany. It's so good, everybody. Our campus up there, it's growing all the time. We were there in the holidays, actually, so uh, a lot of people are away, but just still fantastic to see people from coming all, over, all around the world and uh, being a part of our church there. And people getting saved while we're there. And that's, oh, Jordan's actually doing a bit of a team meeting there. So, um, but yeah, it's just really, really brilliant. And you need to know what we're doing as a church family uh, is continuing to just uh, bless and build and help a lot of people. And we're right in a uh, key part of town in Hamburg. And uh, what God's doing there in where we are, they're building all new apartments around it. So it's all new young families moving in the area and it's just great positioning by the Lord. So everybody's thrilled. So there's some family there that you're seeing. One girl came up to me and uh, she walks up to me and, and I'm like, who's this girl coming up to say hi? And then next minute she says to me, hi, Pastor Ed, I'm from Perth. And uh, she's not from our church. She's from another church and she's ended up in Germany with uh, work and then looks up and goes, Global Heart Church. And she goes, Global Heart Church. So she says, how funny, I've come from Perth to go to a church led by Perth. And uh, so her and her husband in our church now as well. So yeah, a couple of, couple of people there on the setup uh, last Sunday morning uh, coming to church. So just really good, hey, what's happening? And uh, you'd love it. So then we're also... Uh, um, in uh, my family homeland in Ireland just for a couple of days. And we spoke at a church called Open Arms Church in Dublin. They've got two churches, actually, one right in Dublin, just bought a brand new, uh, not a brand new, but a building, which is brand new to them. They've got another church about 40 minutes away and a young pastor, 35 years old, doing a fantastic job in Dublin. And so uh, Jordan and Nathan joined me to do their staff training day, which is so good. So I just flashed my Irish passport and I needed no more warm-up before I came here to speak. They just were like, okay, right, great, we'll hear from you, you know, just having a bit of fun. But uh, it was very powerful, very powerful time uh, with that staff and uh, they're all like, later we're leaving and we've got a lifelong partnership with you guys now. And I'm thinking, uh, yeah, in my world, that's a day a year anyway. And uh, <laughs> we might be able to do, but it was very powerful. We're really excited for what's happening. And we were just blessed to be able to sow in there and, uh, and uh, hopefully be a blessing to them, which I think we were. The boy spoke so well too. Nathan spoke it, uh, I think you just saw it there. He spoke it influential in Germany. Gee, it was, he spoke so well. And there was a guy who'd never, uh, it was a Christian business guy, came to it. And he just said to us, I have never heard any of this in my Christian walk. And so he said what uh, Nathan was bringing just was so impacting to him. He just never heard it before. And so we were really happy uh, to see that and see them getting help. So, yeah, so it was great. And then I flew back in, was home for two days, and then flew to Adelaide. Because, uh, which was really uh good and powerful because Pastor Andrew Evans, for those who know him, uh, Pastor Russell and Ashley Evans' father passed away and at eight, nearly 88 and a great man of God in our nation, uh, was the national leader of Australian Christian churches for 20 years. And when he finished his ministry, went into parliament with Family First and we ended up in the South Australian parliament for over five or six years and had a big impact. And the South Australian parliament, when he died, just stopped and had an eight minute tribute to him. 
and his impact uh, after leaving pastoral ministry and heading into uh, the parliament there, they had an eight-minute uh, uh, you know, commemoration to him. And actually, this, uh, at the funeral, the state um, leader sent a whole dedication and thank you for Pastor Andrew Evans's life. So, so I went and represented you. Uh, we've been a long time friends with Ashley and Jane. You know, now it's probably 30 years, I think. So represented you in our church there. And uh, such a powerful celebration of Pastor Andrew Evans' life. As, as uh, many of you know, at one stage had the largest church in Australia, had the largest church in South Australia, and really greatly used by the Lord. And so now uh, what he and his wife Lorraine have sown now lives on in Ashley and Russell and Jane, Jane their daughter-in-law and their children. So it's powerful to be there and represent our church and represent you and give thanks for the life of Pastor Andrew. It was a, such a powerful celebration. And uh, once again, live your life for the Lord. Uh, the place was packed out, their big church packed out, people honouring uh, his ministry and uh, a life of service in the kingdom of God. So I encourage everybody, have a life of service in the kingdom of God uh, because, you know, it's very special when you see people honoured who've really just given their lives to Christ. It was just so powerful. And, uh, yeah. And then uh, also, too, uh, yesterday was at the Rwandan commemoration of the genocide, Quibica 29. So was there also representing our church, uh, remembering... Uh, the people who lost their lives in that terrible 1994 genocide where we sponsored 1,300 children. And so I was uh, there uh, yesterday and honouring those who've lost their life and remembering them. And that was powerful to be there as well and representing you. And we and need to do that, want to do that, especially because we're so involved in the country today, watching it rise from uh, that terrible season all those years ago into the great victory they're in today in Jesus' name. So busy time, busy days, but uh, all of it uh, very important and very powerful to what God's called us to do. So in Jesus' name. So I hope you're doing good. I hope you're having a good, as we hit winter, right? <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Spencer's praying for winter like this again. <laughs> when I was there with him and it hit minus 38, he's, uh, he's praying for winter like this again to come to his life. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, this is a bit of a summer's day for him at the moment, I think so. <laughs> so everybody who's thinking you're cold right now, this is a summer's day in Montreal about now. So, um, yeah. But they, it'll go higher. It'll get hotter. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, we're uh, on the lead-in to, as uh, Lauren has already said, uh, our heart for the house for 2023. And if you heard me the other day, uh, I was saying how the house had a heart for you before you got here and before you got saved or before you joined our church, our house had a heart for you and continues to have a heart for you. And uh, God has called us as a church to continue doing a lot of things as he leads us and guides us. And uh, uh, we don't want to be just doing anything. We don't want to be coming up with ideas. We want to be doing what the Lord's asked us to do. And you need to know as a leadership team, that's what we spend our time doing, Lord, what do you want us to do? Not here's a good idea. We want to do no, here's what God's asked us to do. And so... um, I was just thinking about our church and just I thought I'd just go back for it because quite a lot of you have got saved with us or come in over the years. But just a little bit of history again because we need to realise that there's a lot of people sowed into our church for a lot of years now, decades now, a couple of decades in order that we be where we're at now. 
And I was thinking this week of how we started church with about six people plus our family and uh, Sue and I and the three boys and, uh, and how from there moving along over the years that uh, the Lord then led us to this building here in Winton Road, which now sits on the fringe of the city and, uh, and then people sewing in financially and supporting that so that we could you know, buy this uh, property that we're sitting in right now. And we thank God for all the people who, you know, uh, who are still with us on the journey, who were on the journey then, who gave so that you can be in church today. You can be sitting here. You could get saved. You could hear the gospel. You need to never take it for granted, but realize there's a lot of people who went before you and paid a price so that you can be here. And, uh, and I just thought, you know, from then what happened, uh, we then went on and um, bought our second building next door, Lincoln Lane which was a miracle story as well. And uh, somebody ended up, I think I'll just tell you now, somebody stepped up when we were still in early stages of this building, really. Somebody in church stepped up and gave an offering for $1 million for us to buy the building next door. And, uh, and I'll never forget the person saying to me, the couple saying to me, this is the greatest day of our lives to give this for the kingdom of God. And so we were able to purchase the building next door, which was a total miracle. And uh, we needed that building because the children were beginning to grow. We wanted to make sure your children were being cared for, ministered, and that uh, we'd have space for them. We'd have space for the Bible College, which I think we've seen up to 600 students now come through. Um, And we'd have space for our uh, administration, our staff, uh, and our financial team are in there as well. So uh, all of that. And then the college, which, uh, you know, grew from that, end up undergirding much of what happened with Australian Christian churches here in this state. Australian Christian churches, the denomination we're a part of, which as I talked about Pastor Andrew before, he led for 20 years. Uh, it's about nearly, well, it's nearly 400,000 people, about 1,000 churches. Well, you may not know it, but our Bible college and our team here, you know, because I used to think, why did the Lord bring Sue and I? I'm from Sydney originally, Sue's from London. Why did he bring us to Perth? Uh, and Lord made it very clear we would come to Perth. Well, we realised as we went along that we were here to undergird something new that God was doing in, in, the, in Western Australia, particularly with the ACC churches. And so our Bible college and our team have all st- served on the state. Uh, you know, Sue's been on the state, executive here. I've been on the state here. Um, Jordan's been the kids, state leader. Who else have we got? Graham Barlow's the state secretary then now, Donna. Then we had uh, how many other people involved and staff from our church. And really, uh, we've carried a lot what happened with the state with the, uh, not sister, just for her conference. So this has been a couple of decades. So we've been really undergirding. So it wasn't just our church that as people sowed that we actually impacted. It was, well, I'd say a lot of the churches, but all of the ACC churches got impacted by what we were carrying here. So that be, that's because of a whole lot of people who, and many of you are here today, who've sown and given, which enabled us actually not just to serve our church, but to serve multiple churches. And I just had uh, the state leader a while ago tell us that uh, our church gave confidence to all the churches in ACC to make decisions and make changes and buy buildings and do stuff. And he said, I just need to let you know, you guys were the ones who gave us the confidence and we were following you in that. So, so y- y- everybody who sowed into that, you've made a way for a lot of people and a lot of people's lives and leaders have been raised up, uh, not just in our church, but 
in churches around our city and around our state in Jesus' name. So, you know, you think of all the lives that have got saved, all the, all the people in service this morning, you've received the Lord here, got baptised here, families helped, single people helped, many people got restored, uh, you know, many couples finding salvation, people finding healing spiritually, mentally, physically, relationally, emotionally. Um, and then as the years went by, then the Lord led us to start um, Tenacious House, which is our uh, men's centre for overcoming addictions, life-controlling issues. Now we've had 350 men go through Tenacious House. where They've had an opportunity to get out of their old life and come into a new life. They've been given opportunity and some tools. And then most importantly, they've had the opportunity to hear the gospel and receive Christ. And, uh, and I think by far the majority have received the Lord. Uh, who've come through Tenacious House. And we know too that as we've served and helped those men and uh, in the early days, once again, sowing from here, we financially undergirded everything. Uh, Now we're thanking God that the government has stepped up and is coming alongside as well. And by the way, Tenacious House has become one of the key uh, recovery centres for men dealing with addiction and mental health issues. So we're one of the key ones in the state, fully uh, accredited by Western Australian um, Mental Health. Uh, But that happened because a whole lot of you stepped up and said, right, let's do this. Let's help these men. And uh, in doing that, we knew we'd help the women. We thought, help the men, we'll help the girls, we'll help the women, then we'll help the ch- that'll help the children, help the grandchildren. And uh, in time, I'll just say, let's overshare, we will in time start a recovery centre for women as well. So that will be down the track in Jesus' name. So, so all of these things have happened and uh, because people have sown and have given. And I want to just encourage everybody, we're positioned again, uh, for a future that God sees coming down the pipeline. And uh, what we're doing now uh, around the world too, I'll just touch on that. It's just really amazing that the things the Lord's led us to do, uh, the touch of God on them is absolutely amazing. So Zambia now is just off the Richter scale. It's crazy. So Zambia now to have our church in the cinema, it's overflowing. It's probably uh, 600 going to 700 people now. And uh, every week people get saved. It's the most alive church, passionate, but thoughtful, smart, uh, just incredible what God's doing there. But the hearts that we've got there and the miracle we've had of the land that we purchased, that miracle before the pandemic, 1.2 million US. And then our compassion son, when bought the land, <laughs> made the offer of 300,000 after... Chinese corporation offering 650 the moment it went on the market at 800. And uh, because he was Rwandan, the man's heart was touched and open to Rwanda and what happened there. And he gave us the, the after I think a few tears he had, he, he was convicted and then sold the land to us for 300,000, which is just incredible. We will be able to put a 2,000 seat auditorium on there eventually. But by the end of the year, we're going to start stage one of that, which will be a 500 seater. So already everybody in church in Zambia is saying the moment we put this building up and, it's, and we can seat 500 people, we'll be going to three services. And it's just, it's just a really amazing miracle. 
that God has led us to. So along with Germany, then Melbourne right now. There's so much happening in Melbourne as well and our team who are over there uh, continue to move forward. Being ch- the pandemic for Melbourne was their big challenge because they, they left and then were shut down for two years. So, But I'm very proud of all of our team though, who've continued to push through. Montreal as well, uh, Pastor Spencer now just seeing people every week coming to Christ. As you know, it's 0.07% is evangelical Christian in Quebec. And uh, we're seeing people give their lives to Christ every week now. And the past is seeing more French people giving their life to Christ. By French, I mean Quebecois people. So we're doing what God's asked us to do. And, uh, and so many, many of you who are in church right now uh, with us, you know, other people made the way financially, to be honest. Sacrifice, sowed in so that you could be saved maybe, so you could be in church, so your family could be here, so you could be seated here. Maybe you're a Christian, came from somewhere else and the Lord added you in for His purpose and plan. But we're just going to remember that things don't just happen. Other people have gone before us and we need to, you know, honour that. And one of the ways you can honour it is by going, hang on, God has positioned you here now. He's saved you here now. He's put you in our church now. He's positioned you for a reason for the next season. So that families and your friends and your children and grandchildren and, and uh, you know, your neighbours and people you work with can be saved, can walk into God's, this is the deal, walk into God's kingdom purpose for their life. You know, be safe, but then find their purpose. That's our mission here. Be safe, but find your purpose. And we're here to help you with that in church and out of church, by the way. And, uh, but I believe that God's positioning all of us and with our heart for the house it's very important that we understand that, you know, God's economy, uh, and Geordie touched on it, somebody's saying, oh, you know, going to church, so long as they don't talk about money. But you need to know Jesus has heaps to say about money, and I'm going to tell you why. People have a misunderstanding about money, and they get all funny about it with church. But I'll tell you why, because it's spiritual, because Jesus was teaching that what we do with our money is a reflection of our heart. What we do with our money, Jesus was teaching, it is an absolute reflection of your heart. If you've never heard that before, uh, come on the journey with me today because I'm going to fill you in on a few things. But I had to make that discovery. I was not, Sue and I weren't from Christian backgrounds. And we were discovering as new Christians that um, Matthew 6 says, where your treasure, your money is, there your heart will be also. Well, at that time in my life when I became a Christian, my heart was with two each draft. Um, a rough casino in Sydney and several clubs. And I can tell you, my money went there and my heart was there as well. If you say, where was your heart? To his draft, that rough casino and that club. And uh, so when I read that scripture, I was like, wow, that's right. Because that's where my heart was. It was there and in other things that I put my finance in. So when I became a Christian and Sue and I decided now to obey the Word of God, we were new Christians and started sowing and giving and tithing, we were like, okay, we want to obey Jesus. Um, But what happened was our heart was shifting from the world and from darkness, shifting to Jesus and to His kingdom. And, uh, And what's happening too now in the world that we live in, everybody, just which is where you've got to be aware of, is we got the world now lifting up sin like never before. They're trying to promote sin, lift sin up, exalt sin. Anything that your flesh wants to do, do that, do this. And uh, they're trying to make out the very things that the Bible says is actually wrong. They're now trying to promote as good and holy almost and wholesome. Everybody, you need to realise that the devil is very clever and he knows that if he can get people blind to God, then he can keep them separated from ever coming to God. 
And so for those of us who were blind, I wasn't from a Christian background. When people started telling me the gospel, i.e. particularly my mother, and telling me uh, Christian scriptures and the Bible, I had no clue what she, my brother, or their friends were talking about. I just think, what are you talking about? It was like, lights are on, no one is home. I do not know what you are even saying as you talked about Christianity or the Bible. Some of you might be there this morning right now. You're like, I don't even know what you're saying, Pastor Jared. What are you saying? Because we have no spiritual understanding. And the Bible says that the God of this world, the God of this age has so blinded the eyes of the unbeliever that we cannot see the glory of God. We can't see Christ. We can't see the truth of the gospel. We're blind. I was blind. Sue was blind. We both were blind. And then when we gave our lives to Christ and then we began to um, uh, put God first in the area of our finances, God was lifting off the blindfold and understanding was coming. Insight was coming. So the world now, you've got to feel sorry and compassionate for people who are rolling along with this. They don't know what they don't know because they're blind. (laughs) They're blind. The enemy has blinded their eyes. Can't see God. Can't understand the Bible. And uh, they're getting fed a whole lot of stuff. So they're entering into sin, more and more layers of it. And guess what? More and more layers of blindness. Blindness, thicker blindness, darker blindness. And then you start preaching everything that's evil as good. (laughs) So we need to just say, thank you, God, that you've lifted the blindfold. Thank you, God, that I can see. But continue to position your heart and your life through your giving because the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, that you might see, and not just you see, Sue and I are so blessed, thankful, grateful that now our children see after generational brokenness for you know, running right back through both of our families. So now in one generation, Jesus has opened our eyes, but He's also opened our son's eyes. And we thank God for that in Jesus' name. You know, uh, so for our church to go forward, everybody, and do what God's called us to do, the Bible actually talks about through your giving in the New Testament that you become a fellow worker with Christ. Oh my gosh, a fellow worker. Can you believe the Bible even says that? You're a fellow worker with Christ. That is such a privilege and such a statement that it's hard to even reconcile as how could that be? Yet Jesus has made it that you and I come into the kingdom and then we are fellow workers with Him on the earth. What a privilege. What a privilege. And then the church again, which I want to encourage every believer, every Christian who's here under the sound of my voice, do not take God's house for granted. It is not the tennis club, though tennis is great. It's not the art club, though I like art. It's not the soccer club, though we love soccer. Come on, all you soccer players. You know, it's not, it's, not a, it's, a, it's not a social club, yet it's full of community. But it's not. Listen, it's the supernatural house of God. Supernatural. Supernatural. And how God started our church, how it's continued on, it's, it's supernatural. No man can do what only God can do. And so in Acts 20, 28, it says that Jesus purchased the church with His own blood. Let's just see her right there. Pause, everybody. Acts 20, 28 says Jesus purchased the church with His own blood. Like, amen. Amen. 
Like, is that the most mind-blowing thing? Like he purchased the church with his own blood. So when Jesus died on the cross, he was dying so that you could be saved. So if you put your faith in what he did on the cross when he died for you, you can receive eternal life, peace with God, freedom in this life, and then walk in the purpose that God has for you. Incredible. So when Jesus was dying, he also knew that in my death, the church will start. The church will start. And as we know, there's no other reason for the church to be here today, none at all, except for the fact Jesus rose from the dead. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, no church. I don't care what anybody says, oh, did he rise from the dead? Listen, you would have had all the disciples run away. They would all be gone. They would have said, oh, he hasn't risen from the dead. Let's get out of here. They they killed him. Now they're going to kill us. Let's go. But they all returned, they all came back, they all stayed, they all stood, and then they were all martyred for their faith. You don't get martyred for your faith for a fake, right? You're out of there. And so the church being filled up with uh, uh, the Jewish people are coming by like no social standing. If you came, you lost everything, you lost your family and all to follow Christ. So God's church was alive. So the church is so important. And God wants to touch the world through the church, not religiosity, not a dead church, but a church that's alive with Him, that's a pulsating with His heart, His calling, His purpose. So everybody's got to realise, right, that Jesus wants us to build the church and one of the ways He does it is through our finances. And uh, Jordy just touched on that. So if you came down and thought, I don't want to hear about finances, well, today's your day. (laughs) Because that's how God, it's one of the key ways that God builds it. Let me just read you in Malachi. Because the Bible is really clear from Genesis to Revelation that God has called us to, hello, put Him in charge of our finances. Let's just say that. So Malachi 3 says this. It says, Yet from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances, God says which is like His ordinary laws, and have not kept them. Here's what God says, Return to me and I'll return to you, says Lord of hosts. But you said, In what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me, the Lord says. But you say, we say, In what way have we robbed you, Lord? And He says, In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. You've robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me. Other translations all say this word, test me. Now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will, be not room in, there will not be room enough to receive it. Everybody, if you've never heard this before, you won't get it, you won't understand it. But God is basically saying here in Malachi, He's saying, if you're not bringing the tithe to me, and tithe is actually a tenth. God is actually... God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He created everything. God gave you your breath. God gave you your life. Your blood flowing through you right now is all because God created you. Did you know that you listen, everybody? You're one heartbeat away from eternity. God stopped one heartbeat right now. Boom, you're gone. You're out of here. God gave us life, gave us breath, gives us opportunity, gave you your gifts, gave you your talents, gave you provision, made a way for you. And then God says, from what you bring in in your finances, uh, He says, return 10% to me. And he says, in the 90%, I'm going to bless. So, and here's what God is saying. God says, and this may be new to everybody, but here's what God's saying or to a few people or a lot of people. God is saying 
that if we're not tithing and returning to Him that tenth and trusting Him, in actual fact, we have left Him. So some people think, how do you return to God? Is it a better program at a church? Is it more things for the youth? Is it more cool stuff for the young adults? God says, no, it's actually not. How you return and come into a relationship with me and get on fire is you return through the tithe. How interesting. Many people think that's never it. They think, oh, another, another event. We need a conference. We need Lecrae. We need Pompey to come back, whoever. Then I'll get on fire. And God says, no, that's not it. You'll get on fire when you return to me through your giving. And He says, specifically through the tithe. So the tithe is a tenth. So God is actually here saying to the people, which is for all of us, you're actually robbing me because I gave you your gifts, your talents, your opportunities, your breath, your body, the things that you think, the opportunity through that work, the fact that you live in Australia, the fact that you breathe, blah, blah, blah. I gave it all to you. And He's saying, return a tithe to me because what you're really doing is trusting me and obeying me. And He actually says in verse 10, try me, test me. It's the one time in Scripture where God, one time where God says, put me to the test. Put me to the test and see if I won't open the windows of heaven for you. I'm going to pour out such a blessing that you're not going to have room to contain it. So God is saying, and once again, you've got to study to find out this stuff, but the blessing of the Lord, where God says, I'm going to bless you or you'll be cursed. He's not talking about in the next hour. God's not talking about the next month. Oh, you'll be blessed next month. God is talking about over your life when you are right in these areas with me, you will get to the end of your life and look back and go, oh, I've had a blessed life. Now, blessed means, this is what the, the word means. It comes from the Hebrew word baruch. It means happy, fortunate, prosperous, and to be envied. Happy, fortunate, prosperous, and to be envied. Sue and I started out broken, dysfunctional. Well, Sue was still good. I was crazy. Um, <laughs> broke. All the rest of it. And now we're blessed. I'm not at the end of my life, but I'm blessed. My children are blessed. My grandchildren are blessed. So already I'm not at the end. Thank you, people. I'm a long way from it. <laughs> and uh, but already I go okay Lord I can see now after 40 years of Sue and I sowing and putting you first Lord we're blessed in multiple layers it's not one layer it's multiple levels multiple layers multiple countries multiple people and it's overflowed it's overflowed but it's because we had to come back here and say, right, we're going to put you first in the area of our giving, which was a tithe, a tenth. And Lord, we put you to the test and you have proven yourself to be true. You've proven yourself to be true. And I just want to say to anybody too, who's right now, you feel like you're in a wilderness season. If you're in a wilderness season, do not judge your life by a wilderness season. Do not judge your life by a wilderness season. It's a chapter. The wilderness you're in is a chapter. There's a whole book of your life. Read the first half of the book of my life. It's like tragic. You just want to cry every page. I'm like, oh, it's like, it's so awful. You get about a third of the way through coming to the half and it's like, what's happening here? Halfway through, this is getting really good. Three quarters of the way through, it's a very happy story. It's a very powerful story of what God's grace and God's done as we have obeyed Him, as we have put Him to the test. So I want to encourage you, if you're in a wilderness place, listen, anytime the wilderness was happening in somebody's life in Scripture, so that they would learn something. Anytime there's a wilderness happening, it's so that somebody would learn something. Here's what you might need to learn, humility. 
God will not raise us up and give us that big thing, that thing you dream of, that big thing until you humble yourself. The Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that He can exalt you in due season. Sometimes we're like, Lord, I want this, I want that. And God goes, I cannot put you out there or give you that because your character will not be able to hold you and you'll collapse. So God says, I am waiting for you to respond to me appropriately, correctly. And then when your character is good, then, then I'll move you to the next level. But God will hold us back until we are responding with humility, with bringing the tithe. <laughs> How many people have been held back by God because they just do not bring the tithe? They haven't, and they don't even realise they're away from God because the Bible says return. Because the Bible says if you haven't brought the tithe, you're away. So if you're in a wilderness, let it work for you and say, God, what are you trying to show me? What do I need to do? How do I need to respond? Don't go on an external journey. You heard me about that the other day. Oh my gosh, Every the majority of Christians, anytime they have discomfort, a problem, a pain, they go on a geography, geographical journey, starting with blaming that person and that person and that person. Then they wanna move marriages and they wanna move jobs and they wanna move cities and they wanna move countries and they wanna move churches. Move, 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 move. That's what 49 out of every 50 Christians does. But occasionally, Jasmine, you meet one Christian who goes, I need to go on an internal journey. Lord, meet with me. Father, what do I need to do? What do I need to change? Lord, do I need to humble myself? And God goes, angels, wake up. Number 50 is here. And they wanna go on the internal journey with me. And the angels are like, woo, let's get the choir going. Because most people are moving. They're trying to change it. They're trying to escape something. When God's going, no, no, no. I'm for you. I want to bless you. I want to raise you up. I want to do so much with you. But it's an internal journey with me, not an external. So tithing, everybody, is a test. What's the definition of a test? The definition of that word is a procedure intended to establish the quality, performance, or reliability of something. God is saying put Him to test so that He can establish to you, I'm a quality Father. I'm a quality God. I'm going to take care of you. You can watch my performance in the next years and decades and you watch what I do. Sometimes I'm slow, sometimes I say grow, and sometimes I say no, but I'm at work. And God says, you'll find that I'm reliable. So God, when, we, uh, uh, when He asks for the tithe, he's, he's testing our hearts. He's testing our hearts. And, uh, and I like this too. God made it a tenth. I think He chose a percentage so that it's fair for everyone. God chose a percentage, a tenth, so that... You know, if you right now are doing great in your life, that percentage is small, but God's saying, trust me there in that. Then other people, you're along the journey, God's saying, trust me there with that. He's saying, I'm being fair to everybody because the percentage is the same, but I'm asking you to give a tenth. And uh, as you sow it, God says, I'll be on the job. By the way, everybody, tithing doesn't mean I don't work. Some of you thought, ooh, I'll get tithing. I won't have to work. No, got to work. Some of you said, oh, I don't have to study anymore because I'm tithing. No, if God's telling you, your parents are telling you, other people are telling you, you need to study, you need to study. You might need to do extra shifts. You might need to do something more. Sometimes the extraordinary is found in the extra. The extraordinary. So tithing is a tenth. Now, here's what's interesting is I began to look into this. 10, that number is found in lots of tests in the Scripture. Very interesting. How many plagues were there in Egypt? 10. How many commandments are there in the Scripture? You ready? 
10. How many times did God test the children of Israel in the wilderness? Are you ready? I checked it out. 10. How many days was Daniel tested? 10. How many times were the virgins tested in Matthew 25? 10. How many times were Jacob's wages changed by his father-in-law trying to undercut him? That would also be in that test, 10. Everybody, you need to realise that God's trying to tell us something. And even right, I looked in the New Testament and said, hello, where's another test? In Revelation, there's a test. And in the book of Revelation in chapter 2, it says there are days of testing. How many were there? Revelation 2, New Testament, 10. God is trying to let us know something here that the test for your life, the test for a church, the test for your future, the test for God raising you up is, will you give Him 10? Will you give Him 10 over and over again? By the way, tithing is a two-way test. He tests us, we test Him. He tests us, we test Him. Two-way test, how interesting is that? And then God says, bring, also bring with it, bring your attitude with it. Attitude is incredibly important with, give, important with giving. It's incredibly important. Some of us are like Whoopi Goldberg in that movie Ghost when she had to sign over the check in that movie. For those who've been around forever, she's, a, she's like me to sign over and give the check away to the, the Catholic convent or whatever. She's like, I, the check, she's going like back and forth. Some of us are like that without giving. I think she said, I'm not giving a million dollars to no nuns or something. She said, well, someone's like, God. We test Him, but He tests us. And the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful Christian. I've just gone to Germany, then to Adelaide, then I've been at two events and God doesn't want to hear me complaining. He loves a cheerful. I had to say, hallelujah, Lord, I'm getting off the plane in Germany. I really want to go home and go to bed. And God's like, yeah, that's great. But Pastor Andrew just died. You need to get on the plane to Adelaide, get my head around it, get my heart around it, get your attitude around it. You've got to get your attitude around it. Everything with God is attitude. In actual fact, what kept the children of Israel from walking into the promised land? Attitude. They, it was just, they walked around in a circle. They were meant to go to the promised land in 11 days, but they worked around in a circle, like a lot of us, for, what was it? 40 years. 40 years. 11-day journey became 40 years, predominantly because of attitude, unwilling to change. Everybody, God loves a cheerful giver. In the Old Testament, the Bible tells us that Abraham blessed God and Abraham gave him a tithe of everything in Genesis 14. And by the way, that was 500 years before the law was given. Abraham was uh, giving to Melchizedek, who we believe was God appearing to him. Short version. Did God, did Christ abolish the tithe in the New Testament for all those who asked that question? The answer is definitely no. That eternal principle runs from Genesis to Revelation. Tithing was before the law. And then also it's mentioned uh, Abraham tithing in the book of Hebrews. But in Matthew 23, 23, it says, Jesus speaking here, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe, even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, like justice, mercy, and faith. Look at the last part. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So 
So Jesus just put it in priority order there, justice, mercy, and faith, but also make sure you're tithing, but don't move away from such important things. Jacob tithed, Genesis 28. He, uh, he has a dream about God, His holiness, and then sets a memorial stone up to establish God's house and says, I'm gonna tithe now to the house of God from here on in. We need to realise that Old and New Testament, that eternal principle is running through. And I like some of the some of the people of the faith who've gone before us, some of their comments about it. Um, Billy Graham said, a checkbook. Hello, who remembers a checkbook? Has anybody got one? Have you? Wow. I might need to see it. I didn't know you could still get them. Okay, a checkbook or a banking account, online bank account, listen to what Billy Graham said, is a theological document. It will tell you what you worship. Your bank account readout tells you what you worship. How amazing is that? Tells you what you worship. We need to say, Lord, help me, because sometimes our bank account is telling us what we worship as believers, and it's ourselves. My finance goes to me, 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 me. And Billy Graham said, that document is an indicator of really what you worship. Um, John Wesley said, earn as much as you can, save as much as you can, then give as much as you can. And he said, thinking of giving, think of giving not as a duty, but as an absolute privilege. John Wesley, well done. Um, I like what Colonel Sanders said. Anybody who's been to KFC ever? He was a great Christian. Colonel Sanders said, there is no good reason to be the richest man in the cemetery. Don't die with it, everybody. Don't die with it. There's no good reason to be the richest man or woman in the cemetery. He was saying, make a difference. Hudson Taylor, God's work done in God's way will never lack supply. But it basically, he went on to say too, but make sure that you are supplying as believers into what God has called you to do. The guy um, who started the Kraft Cheese Corporation, wow, he talked about tithing and said, the only investment that I've ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends in my life is tithing. Wow. Brian Luth said, no church has ever had a money problem, only a faithfulness problem. Again, again, Brian Luth, no church has ever had a money problem, only a faithfulness problem. So we need to say, Lord, help us to be faithful in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Ooh, last couple of thoughts. Ooh, did you get that about the 10 tests? Oh my gosh. 10 right through. Every test was happening was a 10. And then God says, I want you to give me a 10th. You know, uh, according to the New Testament, if you really look into it, we need to realise that the tithe is in fact the starting point it's not actually generosity. The tithe is actually the starting point. It's actually not generosity. And, in, and if you read the Scripture, the Bible says, bring the whole tithe. A lot of Christians go, oh, I give money, some money to my church. I give some money to the soup kitchen. I give some money to that country over there. I give some money there. And God goes, wrong. God goes, wrong. He says, no, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Don't break that up. And then the generosity is what you do on top. Your offering is what's on top. So what we're doing on top is compassion, is missions, is helping people in need. These are things on top, but 
don't go against the Scripture and break up the tithe. And I love how God said, bring the whole tithe, because He knows we love to break it up and do our own thing. Gee, we're hard work, aren't we? Do you ever feel sorry for God? <laughs> Sometimes I say to God, God, I feel sorry for you. We are such hard work that you're going to say, don't break up the tithe, because you know we will. <laughs> so we say, Lord, help me to bring that. And also too, everybody just realised too, in building the church, taking it forward, the staff that we have, the pastors that we have, why, why are we having to take care of them? Well, the Bible instructs us. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 13 and 14 says this, Do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat the things of the temple? Those who serve in the order partake of the holy things, offerings of the order. Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. So God is telling us that when you preach the gospel, in actual fact, God's saying, don't get caught up in other things if you're called to ministry. You need to pay attention to the Word and prayer. Word and prayer. Word and prayer. So you need a team at Global Heart Church who are paying attention to the Word and prayer as we go forward. And by the way, you need to pray for me because even the message I'm delivering to you now, the devil would like me to not deliver it. The devil always says to pastors, you should make the people feel happy. You should make the people feel happy. Now, I want you to be happy. Be happy. But I have to choose making everybody be happy or obeying God and delivering His Word. What should I do, people? Deliver the Word. Anybody on the side? Deliver the Word. But you have to make it. Pastors are making that choice. There's pastors who would never preach when I'm preaching this morning because they're too worried about what you think. They're too worried. I don't want to upset people. I can't give God's Word. Listen, everyone. I have to go, Lord, what do you want? What do you want me to say? What do you want us to do? Deliver it, you know, uh, with love, but deliver the truth. And that's what God calls ministers to do. Hard job, right? Would you like this job? Tough call at times. <laughs> Tough call, because you know you've got to say, this is what the Bible says. Not what I say. Forget my words count for not much but God's word is what we build on and God's word is what we stand on in Jesus name can someone say amen you are significant you've got a great calling you are very important in God's plan at Global Heart Church can I just thank everybody who's been on the journey with us for 10 years or more uh, I want to thank everybody who's been on the journey recently but everybody who's been on the journey 10 years or more I just want, actually, I'm going to do this now. If you've been on our journey with us 10 years or more, can you stand up during this service? 10 years or more, stand up, stand up, stand up. 10 years or more. Can you just give these people a big hand, everybody? Because they've been sowing and giving. Come on, just turn around, give them a big clap. Come on, everybody. Big, so good. You can be seated. Thank you. Because of your sowing, many of the people who are here now are the recipients of that. But everybody who's here now, new to what's happening, listen, we've got a great future. It's a powerful future. You're called to it. You're significant in it. You're important in it. We need you in it. We want you in it. But we also need to honor the past and realize there's a lot of people sacrifice so we can be where we are today. God loves you. We love you. I love you. I'm excited about our future. Half of the house is coming. Let's do something great together. And let's see God's house continue to go forward here in Perth and do all God's called us to do in Jesus' name. Have the best week, everybody. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us online today. 
Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.